You're listening to Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals. Hi, this is Dr. Ann Goldberg, president of the National Lipid Association, and I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Larry Caskell, presented by the National Lipid Association. My guest today is Dr. Jerome Cohn, cardiologist and professor of medicine and cardiology at St. Louis University, where he also serves as the director of preventive cardiology. Dr. Cohn, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Larry. It's a pleasure to be back. Well, I'd like to spend today talking about the recently released, yet to be published, but long-awaited results of the enhanced trial, if you will. And why don't we start with having you tell our audience what the enhanced trial was and what it was trying to show. I'll be glad to. Uh, and it's an important question because there's been a lot of publicity about this study and a lot of questions asked by both patients and physicians. ENHANCE is an acronym that stands for the effect of combination azetamibi and high-dose simvastatin versus simvastatin alone on the atherosclerotic process in patients with heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia. That's the formal name of the study, and so it goes by the acronym ENHANCE. It's important, though, to, to mention who these people were. Exactly. The title tells you a lot about the study, and in fact, it tells us a lot about the limitations. So there were 720 patients in this study, all of whom had heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia. And that is a kind of patient that has very, very high LDL cholesterols. In fact, the, the mean LDL cholesterol baseline of these 720 patients was 319 milligrams per deciliter. That's not the total cholesterol, it's the LDL cholesterol. Extremely high. And so these were the patients that were chosen. It was a two-year follow-up study, and the endpoint, the primary endpoint, was looking at carotid artery intimal medial thickness. And this was measured in three areas, and the average was taken. And the hypothesis was you'd see a slowing of the rate of progression of disease in the group that was treated with combination of zetamibi and simvastatin versus the group that was treated with simvastatin alone. So the thought was if we can get their LDL another 18% lower, we should see some sort of regression. Exactly. And it's exactly what they achieved in terms of the LDL lowering. They did see a 17% lower LDL level in the group treated with combined therapy, that is, is Zetamibia and Simvastatin. And so their LDLs fell to an average of 134. And keep that number in mind, because that's still far above what we would recommend as ideal. And in the Simvastatin group alone, they were treated with 80 milligrams Simvastatin. It fell from 319 to 188. And so this difference in LDL that was achieved in therapy was about 17%, and it was statistically significantly different. The disappointment, however, was in the bottom line, which was the primary outcome. And the primary outcome was looking at the rate of progression of the intimal medial thickness in the carotid arteries. And so the difference was not statistically significant. And in terms of millimeters of change over time, I'll just give you the results, and you remind the listeners that this has not been published, so this is still somewhat unofficial, but it was 0.006 millimeters change in one group versus the 0.011 millimeter change. So we're talking about a difference of 0.005 millimeters difference. Well, you know, what was interesting to me was that their initial IMT score was, I think, an average of 0.69 which isn't very impressive for these people that have super high cholesterol. So they didn't have a lot of disease, so I wouldn't expect to see regression. 
Right, and and this is part of the problem with this study in terms of trying to generalize it to a, a more commonly seen patient population in the in the doctor's offices who do not have familial hypercholesterolemia, and that is two things. One is the carotid artery isn't such a great surrogate for coronary artery disease, although there, there is a strong correlation. It's not excellent. There are different things going on with respect to progression of disease, and lipid, elevated lipids play a greater role in coronary disease than they do in cerebral vascular disease. Secondly, the use of ultrasound as a measurement is convenient, it's non-invasive, and has been widely used as a surrogate for uh, progression of disease. But in fact, this may not be the best outcome measure. Now, speaking of outcomes, let me just go on to give you a little bit of the other results that were made public, and that is there were no differences in outcomes with regard to endpoints. That was not the major endpoint of the study. So there were a total of three deaths, two and one, and a total of five non-fatal heart attacks, three and two. Strokes were even at one and one, and revascularization procedures were six and five. So you can see these numbers are very small. Remember, there are only 720 patients in the study in the first place. So there were no statistical significant differences in outcome. You know, you mentioned it's a small study, but if you look at the HATS trial, if you recall way back when, that was a very small trial. And it was able to show both regression and a decrease in events. Yes, and that's true. And that study was published by Greg Brown. Let me remind the audience, however, that the HATS study used angiograms of the coronary arteries. And this was done primarily by Greg Brown's group in, in Seattle. And it was a very positive study. We know from studies using angiography that, in fact, regression may not always be seen, but the impact on clinical endpoints may be there. And what we've learned over the last 20 years since the 1980s is you don't need to necessarily see so-called regression of disease in order to see a positive benefit from lipid lowering. It's kind of like when we treat, I don't know if you treat a lot of osteoporosis, but when we treat someone, we may not see a dramatic improvement in their bone density, but we know it's occurring. Exactly. And, and let me tell you my own experience. We used to have a clinic called a regression clinic and back in the 80s when we were doing angiographic studies of progression of disease, which is not a great way to do it in terms of modern methodology. But nevertheless, that was what we had back then. And we had patients where we were treating them very aggressively for cholesterol lowering, and we were disappointed to the extent that we didn't see much in way of difference between that and the less aggressively treated group in regression of disease. However, the impact on clinical events was much larger than we had predicted. Not large enough to be statistically significant because these were all small studies by design. But when you start to look at study after study after study, we began to recognize that regression wasn't necessarily the major feature that was important. And what we have learned since then is probably what we were seeing is a change in composition of the plaque. Right, and stabilization and perhaps treatment of vulnerable plaques. Exactly. And those returns we didn't even use or know about 20 years ago. And what we're seeing was a hardening of the plaque and a thick fibrous cap growing over, producing much less vulnerable plaques. And if you look at the artery and the lumen per se, you say, hey, you know, there's not much of a difference here. But in fact, it translates into big-time reduction in events. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Lipid Luminations on ReachMD XM157. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, your host, and I have Dr. Jerome Cohn with me today. He's a cardiologist and professor of medicine and cardiology at St. Louis University. And we're talking about the ENHANCE trial, the results recently released but not yet published. 
Dr. Cohn, why do you think they chose, I mean, obviously IMT is easy to do, but why not spend a little more money and do an intravascular ultrasound study? And perhaps you would have seen regression like we saw in the asteroid trial. Yes, that was a study that did look at the coronary arteries and did show rather marked uh, differences. And I can't answer that. I was not involved in the design of this study. I do know, however, and I think it's important for our listeners to know that, in fact, there are underway three, at least three clinical trials looking at this combination of drugs, Zetamibi and Simvastatin, in clinical trials. And so I think we await the outcome. I'm sorry to say they won't be available in terms of analysis until another two years is what I've been told. But they are underway, Larry, and hopefully we'll have much more definitive answer in a much more important realm, that is clinical events, than we have with the enhanced study. You know, I was thinking when you were talking about your regression buttons that perhaps we didn't see regression with this particular drug because it did not really raise HDL as much as, let's say, rosuvastatin did in asteroid, and that's really where we're getting regression. And it may have stopped progression, but you really need to work on reverse cholesterol transport for regression. This may well be true, and Zetamibi does not raise HDL in the same way as rosuvastatin did. And this may be part of, of the reasons we, we are not quite sure because the LDL difference was, in fact, observed what the problem is, if indeed there is a problem. And it's important to know the results of this study and understand it from a research and future directions point of view. But in terms of clinical impact, which is really the questions that we're asked all the time about this study, I think they're rather nil. And I'm sorry to say that others have spoken out in a way that has changed some practice patterns. I think the goal is still to lower the LDL as low as we can get it in these high-risk patients and patients who already have disease. And if it takes a two-drug combination that might include a Zetamibi, then so be it. I think it's important to get that LDL down because all of the studies taken together indicate the lower the LDL, the better. What do you think about how the drug companies handle this in terms of not releasing the data? Do you think they have a responsibility to release it, even if it's going to hurt sales? Or, you know, I've heard other doctors say, oh, well, you know, they had to crunch the numbers and it took two years. I, I don't buy it. Yes, I, I think this is the problem. And, and often it's not so much the deed, but the cover up that might follow it. And I, and I use that term cautiously because I don't know if, in fact, there was a cover up. I have no inside information. But I can tell you from my experience that the time that the study was finished and the time that this data were made available was rather lengthy. It may be as long as two years, and it, there's just no reason I can think of that it would take that long. During this two-year time, the critics have said that they were, in fact, engaged in a rather costly campaign to sell their product. And in fact, I think that is true. So the harshest critics put two and two together and say, aha, you know, they drag their feet because of uh, wanting to promote, continue to promote sales as long as they could before the data were made public. I have no inside information on that, Larry, so I'm sort of reluctant to say more, except that when you see smoke, usually there's a fire. It's interesting to me that Dr. Steve Nissen would come out and say that these res results were shocking. I mean, he's a huge fan of non-interventional treatment, and I don't know why he used such a strong word. I don't either, and with all due respect to Dr. Nissen, sometimes I have used the term loose cannon, 
because he does say things that I think aren't quite as carefully considered as they should be. Most recently, he said something about banding of the stomach of diabetic patients that should be standard of care. And this is based on a recent small study. So I was surprised to see him say that. He is a thought leader. He does get the attention of the media. And it's rather unfortunate that he makes such outspoken comments without due consideration of all of the results and the impact. And I think the enhanced study is a good example. There's so many limitations of this study with respect to its impact on clinical practice that impact on clinical practice really should be very, very small. We wouldn't use uh, azetamibi alone unless a patient can't take other drugs. It shouldn't be the first drug of choice. But when a patient can't get to goal with statins, either because they don't tolerate statins or they don't tolerate higher dose statins, it's a reasonable drug to consider to get additional LDL lowering. On that note, I'd like to thank Dr. Jerome Cohn for coming on the show and illuminating the enhanced trial for us. Well, it's been my pleasure, Larry. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Lipid Illuminations, presented by the National Lipid Association. For more information, please visit www.lipid.org. Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals.